Hello and welcome to Recording Live. I am Dexter and with me this time is... It's me, Matt. It's always Matt. Or um, is it me? Oh yeah. We don't know. I mean, last time it was you when we talked about who goes there, I think. I didn't... Was. We didn't do the blood was. test. Didn't. Yeah. Next time we see I see you, we'll do a blood test. Um, except for I'm not going to slice your thumb. Uh, the good news is you're not a thing. That's good. So anyway, we watched The Thing after reading Who Goes There, and by that we're talking about the 80s movie. The 1982 John Carpenter film screenplay by Bill Lancaster starring Kurt Russell and Wilford Brimley. Yeah, Wilford Brimley. Um, yeah, so that's what we watched, and now we're going to talk about it. Go. No, um, yeah, I don't know. So having re- we read the book... Now we watched uh, the good movie because there was an older one from my yes the thing from the the thing from outer space that's what it's called okay um and that one I from what I understand it was more of like a Frankenstein monster yeah it's like a vegetable monster it doesn't shape shift or anything it's just a oh. big it's a big monster that looks like Frankenstein that's made out of vegetation okay well I'm glad we didn't watch that as am I still haven't watched it <laughs> Howard Hawks movie. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. Um, Howard Hawks? Yeah. The Spruce Goose? Oh, he, he, I thought that was Howard Hughes. Maybe it is Howard Hughes. Howard, Yeah, it is. Howard Hawks oh, okay. is, a, is a film mogul back in the 40s, 50s. 30s, okay. 40s, 50s. Um, the Thing from Outer Space? Or From Another World? Is that what, Yeah, The Thing from Another World. My apologies. 1951. Oh, okay. Oh man, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a yeah, fifties movie. I guess you couldn't really do too much for the special effects at that time. It's not that old. It's only seventy three, <clears throat> seventy two years old. Okay. Um. Anyway, not gonna watch it. So not much to talk about there. But yeah, no, we watched uh yeah the John Carpenter the thing. I'm I have to say especially after watching this and he did um Big Trouble in Little China right. Yes. Um. And th- so yeah, I've only ever seen two John Carpenter movies now. That's um, a lie. What's the other one? I thought you saw Escape from L.A. when we were kids. Uh, I saw the beginning of it, and I just thought it was. I saw the beginning of Escape from New York. Ah, uh, okay. Uh oh, and unless you're thinking of, I remember I watched the movie No Escape, and I would not shut up about it. I thought it was an amazing film as a child. Um, which is about a bunch of like convicts on an island, I believe. Um, kind of like Hunger Games, but with like adults. <laughs> Um, who was in that? There's a guy that was in a bunch of stuff at the time. Anyway, yeah. So I I've seen the beginning of Escape from New York, and I just remember just thinking it was just ridiculous. Um, Roy, uh, Ray Liotta is in the movie No Escape. It is not a John Carpenter form, film. It is a Martin Campbell film. Anyway, uh, oh, it's got that one guy in it though. Uh, Lance Henriksen. Not who I thought it was. Uh, anyway, yeah, so let's talk about the thing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I'm very excited about John Carpenter films now. Um, I don't even really know everything he made. Like, I, I, it, it just, uh, I feel like you've opened up a, new, a completely new genre of film to me, especially, like, having me watch Jaws and now The Thing. Like, just these old, like, I, I don't know. The, I mean, they're horror, I guess. But I, um, just in my head, like I always think of horror being more um, like poltergeist or um, I don't know, just like I don't and I, I I don't like ghost stories, I guess. And I just really don't get into ghost stories. But um, just these these movies and like Jaws, more of like a thriller than a horror, I suppose. Um, but I just never thought about them too much, and so I just never watched them. Uh, and I have to say, I'm, I'm enjoying them. Oh, I don't want to see. Never mind. I'm looking at John Carpenter movies now. There's a, He's made Dark Star, which was a college film mm-hmm. that he made with Dan O'Bannon, the creator of Alien, uh, okay. that they expanded into a theatrical film. Assault on Precinct 13, which I have seen. Halloween, which I've seen. The Fog, which I've seen. Oh, Escape from New York, I've seen. The Thing. Mm-hmm. Pristine, Starman. Big Trouble in Little oh, China, which I've seen, which I don't like. Uh Prince of seen... Darkness, I have not seen. They Live, I have yeah. I've seen. Memoirs of good? a Visible Man, I've never seen. In the Mouth of Madness, I have watched. 
Village of the Dam I've watched, Escape from L.A. I've seen, John Carpenter's Vampires I just watched last year. I vaguely remember Ghost of Mars when it came out, and I have not seen Mm -hmm. The Ward. So I have probably seen roughly about 50 to 60% of John Carpenter's films. Yeah, looking at um, the list of them, I don't know that I want to watch all of them for sure. (laughs) Salt of Precinct 13 is pretty good. Yeah, I think you've told me about that maybe, and it does sound really good. Um, Because that's kind of, is that about a gang? Yeah, it's a gang that's attacking uh, a de- um, a decommissioned uh, police headquarters. Okay, and like basically, I, I feel like, or maybe I'm wondering here, like any time like a TV show has like a a, a, uh, a police precinct that's being assaulted, it's probably kind of homaging to this, or no? Yes, kind of, and the movie's also kind of an homage to like Night of the Living Dead. Okay, but it's like just the a gang, gang are essentially the ghouls and zombies of that. Like they mm-hmm. are. Uh, which I've seen people compare and I can agree and can't agree with. It's interesting idea. It's been remade. It got remade in the two thousands. Almost all of John Carpenter's movies have been remade. Yeah, that's very interesting. And like, I almost feel like he deserves some sort of award for that. He, uh, (laughs) people ask him what he thinks about his movies getting remade. And he says, I love them because I have no involvement. I just put my hand out and a check floats into it. Yeah, I get that. Oh, speaking of which, too, I saw his wife was getting some accolades this week because she I didn't realize she owns a comic book uh, publisher. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, it, I'd never heard of it before, but the, uh, something happened with it. And like so some like, people were talking about it on the Internet, it seemed like I saw that it was interesting. I didn't realize that she was she, like she's the CEO of just this like small publisher. Makes sense. John Carpenter's a comic book fan and he's big. Nerd. Mm-hmm. He's a big video game guy. Yeah, which is always interesting. with the uh, the fear games that came out in the early 2000s. The fear games? Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with those. Oh. Hmm. Um, you said you saw they they live. Is that good? I've had, like I've had I, so many people tell me to watch it, and I just it it just seems like such a goofy movie. People probably tell you to see it because of uh, because of uh, I uh, to watch it ironically. Uh. Yeah. You can do it both ways. I enjoy it. It's an interesting film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's about aliens, like, yeah. re- replacing people or just controlling people? Uh, subliminally controlling the world with yeah, consumerism okay. and pol- politics. Gotcha. Okay. And then people it's, like yeah. I to say that it's, it, it was a movie before its time, but no, it, it was, it was appropriate for the time. 1988, yeah. Reaganism, shit like uh, that. Yeah. I didn't realize uh, Keith David was in this too. So yeah, yes. okay. One of the actors from the thing, I didn't recognize him at first as Keith David. Um, and then Roddy Piper famously yep. was in this movie. It's like Roddy, Roddy Piper. Yeah, man. I loved him as a wrestler. Uh, did he? Yeah. He died recently, 2015, not too recently. Yep. Uh, oh, man. Um, yeah. Interesting. So the thing, um, we just read the book and I was surprised. I was happy, I guess, just by how close this was, but it had um, a different, basically a different beginning and different ending um and you know little things here and there which made sense to change for a movie but um do you want to do the synopsis um it's roughly the same as the book from our last podcast different uh first different 20 minutes different uh final 20 minutes but it's Mm -hmm. essentially a u.s outpost that is kind of just out there they don't discuss what they're doing out there which because it's not important Mm -hmm. and in this one a dog is running toward their base a norwegian helicopter is trying to kill the dog and the they the norwegians are killed they bring the dog in and then they try to figure out what happened with the norwegians they go to their camp they find it destroyed they find odd looking corpses in the snow they find a frozen block of ice with nothing in it and they bring the corpses back they study them it's revealed that there is an alien life form that can imitate people and it saw it fair it follows the book fairly faithful in the idea of Mm -hmm. paranoia and who is there and uh that's roughly about it we went into a lot of depth Mm -hmm. so i mean if you listen to our review of it you know you get the gist of it it's the same thing it's it is a faithful uh, a fairly faithful adaptation with taking its own twist on it um uh, mm-hmm. smaller cast i think what they say 47 uh 37 
in the uh, the, book, oh, in the book. This yeah, this is down to twelve due to yep. being a movie and everything. Yeah, it would have uh, it would have been weird having that many guys running around at different times. Well, yeah, especially since in the book only a handful of them are actually named and given lines, and so in this mm-hmm. you, they cut the it names. down. And mm-hmm. everybody is a character in the John Carpenter film. It's very well written. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's uh, the alien is fairly different. We talked about it. The alien's kind of a blue three eyed life form in that that can shape shift and take over people, assimilate them. And mm-hmm. this it doesn't have a true form that you ever see. It yep. takes over people. But when it uh, much in the book, when it's discovered, it kind of turns into a a blue life form, a blue monster being uh, in this, when it's discovered or when it's attacking people, it kind of just erupts into just, just the shit nightmares are made of. Yeah. And it it always tends to have the same like tentacles that kind of like pop out of everywhere and it's kind of gross and stuff. And yeah, and it just kind of gets eyes and teeth and other shit coming all around it. And well, it's almost like it's simultaneously turning into everything all at once before it decides on its final form that it's going to take. Uh, Because it it kept having like the dog head whenever like after because it was the yeah, after it was the dog. Um, Like I just noticed that that kept kind of popping in. Dogs would appear, some kind of weird spider monster would appear. Yeah, it kept kind of doing spider legs to get around, yeah. It is, yeah, it's a very unusual thing. And um, as I said last time, and I say it again, like this, if it's, if it's, if it's not Jaws, it's this is like my favorite film. I've seen it so many times. I listen to mm-hmm. the commentary. I watch the bonus features. I absolutely love this movie. And um, it's other than maybe one shot in it, this movie, in my opinion, you saw it for the first time, but this movie's 40 years old and I think it still holds up phenomenally. Oh, it does for sure. I'm, uh, I'm glad that it didn't wait like a decade and get made in the nineties with really bad special effects. Um, Oh, with bad CGI, which bad CGI and stuff. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Um, but no, like the, the, the models and stuff that they use to make it. Um, I mean, it, the thing about that too. Okay. So like it, it is a little uncanny Valley, but at the same time, it's just like, I've never seen a goofy weird life form shapeshift like that. So it's just like, yeah, it's going to look weird no matter what. Um, and so, it, it, but then like, I don't know, like whenever it's like a person's face exploding or something, it always, you know, especially eighties movies, like it always, you can kind of tell it's a mannequin head being exploded or something, but this it doesn't no it, it they, it's yeah that's shocking the thing. They how did a really good, good job. the effects look it's rob mm-hmm. motin who was 22 years old when he did the effects oh wow what is that guy doing now he's a special <laughs> effects guy he's like 60 he's in his 60s now but uh wow uh, yeah that's, that's fantastic he was living in the studio making all this stuff and he suffered from exhaustion so he brought uh stan winston in to help out with the dog kennel scene oh wow okay Yes, hmm. Winston helped out a little bit. But yeah, Bravo Team, 22 years old. He hmm. did the howling. And uh, the I think he's won an Academy Award uh, for his effects and things like that. But I mean, at 22. Yeah, that's, a, that's good amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the effects look great in this. Like, yeah, the faces, they look like faces. But like, mm-hmm. and then you have when they're like morphed into monstrosity. Yeah, they don't look realistic, but they don't look <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, 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 I So when I was a kid, I watched a lot of movies uh, that I should not have watched, but I'm really glad I didn't watch this one. I'm pretty sure this would have given me really bad nightmares. Yeah, I never <laughs> I'd never heard of this movie. A friend of mine that I grew up with t- recommended it to me and I didn't think about it. And then I was mm. at Barnes and Noble at like 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday back in 2007. So mm-hmm. I was I was 23. And I lived out of town, so I mean, if I went to Des Moines, I kind of drove around and I mm-hmm. shopped and things. And I was at a bookstore that's no longer around, and I saw a copy of it, and I went, "Oh yeah, so and so told me I should watch this." Mm-hmm. And I have a knack where if, if people push something on me, it actually pulls me away. Mm-hmm. But I was by myself, and I saw it, and I'm like, "I heard he said it was really good. I should watch this." So I picked it up. I think it was like ten bucks, mm-hmm. and I went home that night and I watched it, finished it. 
and I just hit play again on the menu and I watched it again. I watched <laughs> it till like two, like three thirty in the morning. Yeah. And <laughs> I was just amazed by it. Yeah. I was, I was just blown away and I, I watched that. all the bonus features, all the making of all the stuff, how to make, how they made the spaceship that's on it for like three seconds. That's a whole thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about everything about the film, interviews with all the actors, with the director, John Carpenter, listen to the commentary track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I own like three, four versions of this film. I own it on DVD. I own it on Blu-ray. I own it on the <laughs> collector's edition Blu-ray that came out that's got three or four discs. And mm-hmm. I absolutely just love this movie. I can't it, I can't really explain why. I just think it's one of the best films ever. And Mm-hmm. it's funny because this movie almost ended John Carpenter's career. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, it was hated when it came out. Loathed. Yeah, well, because it's just very graphic, right? It's was that the, the main reason? Yeah, it's incredibly gory. It's incredibly hopeless. Mm-hmm. And John Carpenter had a three-movie deal with Universal Pictures. This was the first one. And when this one tanked so hard, Universal... <laughs> bought out his contract because they didn't wow almost gave up making movies huh that's interesting and now 40 years later not 40 years 20 years later 20 2000s when uh it it resurged uh it's now regarded as one of the greatest horror films ever as well as one of the greatest films ever made yeah i get that that makes sense and Um, john carpenter has said that uh it's one of his favorite movies he ever made and yeah, honestly, his best looking film. I feel like you can tell that he had a good time with it, too. Like just the way the set is done, like just so well. Um, and you, you were telling me that, like, they actually built this facility in Alaska in the summer uh, and then let the mm-hmm. winter take it over. Yeah, it, like it just it looked amazing. Um, and like you could tell it was an actual like thing that they built instead of a, a set, I suppose. Yeah. They um, used to set here and there a few times for some things, but they were out there and they were living it. They had, uh, there were some days when they had to live out there. Yeah. That's um, but yeah, their hotels were about an hour bus ride in the oh, snow man. to get there. Cause it was, yeah. it was shot on an ice. I was shot on a, a glacier mm. in the middle of, uh, Makes sense. Alaska. And yeah. Hmm. It feels cold. <laughs> it does. I mean, there's a couple times when like they run outside without and like while they're still putting their coats on or something. I'm just like, yeah, it's eh. supposed to be like negative 40 out. <laughs> it's like, I don't know about that, but um, cold. I think they said it was like negative 10 to 20 a lot of times. Yeah. They were doing. But yeah, and it's I was cold watching it. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's a very beautiful film too. Uh, cinematography is mm-hmm. by Dean Cundy. I know that doesn't mean much to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean much to some of my other cinema friends because apparently they don't follow directors of photography. I do a subtly. Dean Cundy is uh, the person that worked with John Carpenter beforehand. They did Halloween together and The Fall, mm-hmm. Escape from okay. L.A. And oh, he was they, uh, he was on Jurassic Park, Apollo 13, Back to the Future. Who uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Who framed Roger Rabbit? He yeah. Uh, oh, he Book has, of Boba Fett. Two episodes. Yes, he, his his last thing was uh, his most recent thing was he did some episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Dean Cundy is a extremely mm-hmm. talented director of photography and cinematographer and he's won many awards and mm-hmm. yeah he did jurassic park he worked with he yeah after john carpenter he moved on with uh zemeckis and spielberg yeah and huh. then he made jack and jill the uh the adam sandler movie about him playing his him and his twin sister so you know he does a lot of commercials and things as well but he's mm. uh he, he knows how to um he knows how to shoot a movie and John Carpenter knows how to frame a scene. It's just, yeah. uh, this movie's beautiful with the blues from the snow and nighttime mixed with mm-hmm. the reds and oranges of the flights and the flares and the flamethrowers and stuff. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Gorgeous, gorgeous movie. The only mm-hmm. thing that probably doesn't hold up the best is the ending with the stop motion that they had. And they only used about, Hmm one or two seconds of it it was supposed to be the whole ending with the monster and stuff but it just didn't look right so they canned a bunch of it that's interesting i didn't i don't know that i thought too hard about it it was kind of i mean because i was when like the monster started growing and growing and growing right like right before they blew it up yeah when blair erupts out of the ground yeah yeah 
There's which, only like one or two scenes of stop motion in that. It was supposed to be the, like they made an entire stop motion puppet of that monster to be hmm. flailing around and things, but they cut it all out. I've seen the footage and yeah. it's stop motion. I mean, it's 1982, which makes sense. I mean, cause it was pretty huge. That would have probably, it would have been a bit, bit more to build a huge monster. Costume, like that. Some shit yeah. like that, like the alien queen or th- something like that. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm su- it's it's funny how much they built just to like light it on fire or the entire place they just blow up. <laughs> oh god, they blew that whole thing up and they had to set cameras on tripods to do it. They were far yeah. away. I mentioned a scene where Kurt Russell's character throws a stick of dynamite to blow up a thing, yeah. and they actually physically did that with like a quarter stick. Oh, and uh, <laughs> you can see in the clip that Kurt Russell just gets rocked into the wall and he's yeah commentary laughing saying i felt shit go through me yeah he, he was pretty close to that explosion and, when, and then they you're like that about, was real yep, <laughs> oh. they talked about how they burn their hands all the time with the flares uh, oh man flamethrowers were all 100 percent real oh wow yeah yeah oh yeah when they set a set on fire they were putting it out for real yeah, okay, that makes sense. Why? Because they were always like right on top of putting it out. I'm just like, why are they doing that? They're they're well, trying to torch a monster. <laughs> realistically, you don't want to burn your you don't want to burn your base down. Yeah, no, yeah, like, and that's what I get-go. told myself. Yeah. So they're burning it and then they're they're putting it out as quick as possible. But yeah, yeah in the uh, in the film making uh, like making the movie and stuff, yeah, they were using legit flamethrowers, and then the actors were running out and putting out those flamethrower flames. That's funny. Yeah, that's which, pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's funny. So that means, like, they had proper training on flamethrowers. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Kurt Russell and John Carpenter were trained on how to fly helicopters up there and stuff. Oh, really? That's cool. Yes. Yeah, because Kurt Russell was playing uh, McCready, um, <laughs> which I guess we haven't talked about, uh, it, which in this, he's a he's a helicopter pilot instead of an... What was Meteorologist. It? Meteorologist, yeah, which I thought was an interesting change. Yeah, uh, different kind of character. Not second in command per se. Not a scientist with everybody. He is literally their their living transport for helicopters and stuff. So he yeah. lives in a shack by himself. He's very much a loner. He doesn't he doesn't live with everyone else. Everyone else lives in bunks or in in rooms in the base, and he lives mm-hmm. by himself up on a on a shack uh, assembled on uh, wood. Yeah, and. Yeah, I'm trying to decide, like, figure out who was maybe the second in command. Like, Childs, I suppose. So, uh, no, no, he referenced, Ch- it was uh, the other Norris. guy, Norris. Yeah, which yes. is funny. When Gary too, wants like, to step down, he wants Norris to take it, and Norris says no. Which is funny, too, because, like, I don't think I even noticed that character until that scene. <laughs> like, he just, I don't know, I felt like he was kind of in the background the entire time. That, and, well, he does go to explore the spaceship. Oh, he's the other guy. That's probably okay. his... Big saying him, Gary, and uh, McCready are the ones that fly out to uh, the spaceship crash. Okay. But they're yeah. wearing all heavy insulated stuff, so you probably can't tell because yeah. once they put their coats and their hat and their uh, their the goggles, goggles on, yeah. they're almost un- indistinguishable. All the one except McCready, who's wearing the big sombrero. Yeah, which I was just like, the only reason he's wearing that hat is so you can tell who he is. <laughs> it's but, funny yeah. in the commentary, John Carpenter says, "Kurt, what'd you think of the sombrero?" And he goes, "Well, I had to live with it because you already did pickups." What does that mean? Uh, pickup shots and like uh, second unit shots, oh. like like ba- like distant long distance shots where they didn't need Kurt Russell; they had someone else dressed up. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and so Kurt Russell's like, "I had to live with it. You you already did shots with it with someone else." Uh, that's funny. Yeah, which I and I I feel like I just recently kind of read something about how uh movies will do stuff like that just so you can easily pick out the main character yes like, they always kind of do dumb stuff like uh lord of the rings the one um uh whatever the the uh, not they're not orcs the other things but the, he, the uh Arukai, he puts a handprint on his face and yep. so you always know which one he is. yeah and he doesn't wear a helmet like but yeah well and then like uh saving private ryan the guy has the star on his helmet which I've heard like soldiers say, like no one would ever put a star on their helmet because a sniper would kill them first. Yeah, <laughs> but you do that in movies just so you can pick them out. Yep, different uh, colors, different outfits, and yeah, and crews and things like that. Yeah, and yeah, because if, if you do, yeah, if you pull McCready out of a scene and you put everyone well, else the in their winter clothes, they all look the exact same. They're just wearing puffy coats with goggles that have little slits in them, so you can't even see their eyes. 
Yep. Um, and, and well, and then uh, uh, face coverings because it's so cold, like scarves and stuff. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I I enjoyed. Uh, or I don't know. I felt like the cast was completely, it was a little changed, not completely, but just changed just enough. It made it a little different and more interesting, I suppose, to see it as a movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, what, I'm, I'm curious though. What, what is it about this movie that makes it so high on your list of movies? I think it's just a perfect film. I don't yeah. have any flaws with it. Sure. I think it's a perfect film. It's perfectly assembled. Uh, the story is, is, just from beginning to end, everything is necessary. There's no unnecessariness in it. There's no characters sure. who are flawed. There's no yeah. characters I dislike. I think they're all well done. And uh, I'm someone who can appreciate a movie for every aspect of it. And there's mm-hmm. nothing I dislike about it. There's no mm-hmm. characters I dislike. There's no plot points I don't like. I love the effects. I love that the era it came in in the sense of it looks still modern after yeah. Watch it after seeing it for oh my god over 15 years now mm-hmm. and uh still just mesmerized by it it's kind of like that with jaws mm-hmm. just like i like movies that are kind of like this like i'm not someone who likes retro movies or specifically likes old movies but right. uh it's just it that movie just kind of i think it's uh it just kind of uh it's just something i'd never seen before yeah, I mean, it, yeah, so this movie and Jaws really, um, it's hard, yeah, like you said, it's hard to pick out a scene that's bad, and especially this one, like, it felt very compact, um, like, everything just always kept moving, there was never really a scene where it's just, like, it, nothing, nothing felt like filler, um, it never seemed to linger, uh, and I mean, but this type of story, too, I could see, like, having, like, if you had a scene, it, like, I don't know, if it just didn't keep moving, it could get boring really fast because just like Every, otherwise, yeah. nothing's happening really. Even like um, a scene where two people are just like, like, yeah, like there's a scene of Childs and Palmer in their bedroom watching, uh, uh, in their quarters watching game shows. Right. Yeah. Like, what's the relevance of that? Showing that those two are bunkmates and their friends, and later yeah. on, when they're all splitting up. They tell uh, Palmer he's got to go with Windows, and he refuses to and says he'll go with Childs. Yeah, I, I didn't make that connection, but now that you say that, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, like, I, I guess I took that scene, too, just, like, as a, like, setting up just, you know, these are guys that have just been in isolation for such a long time. They're watching reruns yes. of game shows. Or not even reruns. Like, reco- they have recorded videotapes. Yep. <laughs> they got VCRs because, they, they, I mean, they have no other ways of entertainment other than music. Yep. Uh, they have a pool. They have a pool, pool room. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. They've got uh, games and stuff like that. But yeah, for like watching TV and stuff, they just got recordings of stuff. Yeah. Well, and then you had uh, McCready who was playing chess on the computer. Playing chess wizard. And then he pours his uh, whiskey in the uh, computer because he lost. Which yes. I thought that I I thought that was a little weird. <laughs> but it's like, why would you destroy your computer because you lost? But I don't know. It kind of it sets up the character a little bit, just that he's just that kind of a guy, I guess. But with the only female cast member in it, Adrian Barbeau plays the voice of the chess wizard. That was John Carpenter's wife at the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't really think about that. There were no women in the in the. There's whole no women in the movie, and mm-hmm. uh, I've always said that for a movie to succeed. Uh, it has to have a woman in it because you have to have that element of uh, attraction. Oh, sure. And, and I still firmly believe that. However, this movie proves I can I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think there was another it still th- works. Um, <laughs> somebody pointed that out with uh, Glass Onion and Knives Out. Not necessarily like what you just said, but like the whole idea that you have um, Benoit Blanc leading in a movie with another with a attractive young woman and there's no tension of like between them uh yes and no but, uh, i mean the, it like, doesn't have to be the main cast member it doesn't have correct. to be a star like between but them my yeah. mentality is there's always got to be a relationship or some kind of possible attractiveness yeah. in a well, movie it doesn't have to be the main character that has to have it it just sure. 
It just has to be there. And this movie proves I'm wrong with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there aren't that many examples of no, that, not. that are I, successful uh, films. That's right. what I mean by that. Like other well, movies. Uh, but it doesn't have to be the main cast member. Yeah, I get that. And I mean, and my point then being just like the best example I can think of off the top of my head isn't a perfect example. Um, but yeah, no, I was trying to think of that too, of just like something where there's not that tension or, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but uh, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's almost impossible to think of it. And I know sure. they even talk about that in the making of this movie or the commentary mm. where they say there's no women. And even in the making of the movie, they didn't have women on set. They had one uh, female uh, crew member and she was pregnant. She had to leave cause she was, uh, she went into labor. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Just yeah, that they very unusual one. kind of thing when you. It was think the that. '80s though, too. I kind of wonder if they did that now, if there'd probably be more women, but I don't know. Funny Just you say that the thing prequel has two women in it. Uh, actors, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's two. Yeah, so which two we started, female characters. Yeah, we started talking about that like I think right before we were recording, maybe. Um, so yeah, there is the thing. It's a prequel. Came out in 2011, uh, and it's. The Norwegian camp, you said? Yes, it uh, takes place a couple days before this movie does. And not well-liked, not well-received. I saw it in theaters with Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought the th- Tom had never seen the thing, but he always wanted to. So I mm. said, well, uh, why don't we watch the thing? And then we'll head to the theater and we'll see a matinee. And we did. Mm-hmm. And Did uh, you like this the, the, the this one then? The 2011? Yeah, I, I do. It's not great. It's mm-hmm. not a good companion piece for this one, but hmm. I don't think it's a bad movie. Do they play uh, in Norwegian? Like, are they supposed to be Norwegian? Uh, about 90% of the cast is is uh, it, from that area. Swedish. Okay, but they're, uh, they're, I assume they're speaking English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, they're speaking English, and uh, uh, it's it's translated while they record. It's great. No, they bring in they have they have two Americans there. No, they have four Americans there as well. So okay, so it's like they're speaking English. Speaking English. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't mind. I guess like if you know they're just saying like we're translating it for the sake of a movie, like because if it's an American movie and it's whatever, like uh, they give a reason. Everyone's bilingual in it, almost except one or two characters. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was a movie with. I think it was called the 13th warrior maybe uh, and it had uh oh man can't think of his name but uh whatever Keanu? no 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 different movie sorry wrong one um man uh spanish actor plays post oh antonio banderas yeah antonio banderas was in it and he was just like a traitor and he happened to be like in this uh viking town and they were like at war with this other viking like witch of some sort and they or maybe it was the ninth warrior or something, but they did some like thing, like a witch doctor did a thing. They're like, we need a ninth warrior to go with this group um, to, to attack these other people. And they, through divination, it had to be this Antonio Banderas's character. And he was playing a Spaniard um, just there for trading. And like, he's happened to be there and, but he didn't speak the language of any of the other warriors. And so like, there's a part of the movie where like everyone, everyone else is just talking in their language and he's just like, has no idea what's going on. But then suddenly he starts to like pick up on what they're saying and he learns their language over time. And so then basically it just can, their language converts into English slowly. Um, And so it's just understood. They're still speaking in their native tongue, but it's just being translated into English so that we as the watcher can understand. And so basically I was wondering if that's what they did with this movie. Um, and, and I don't mind that if they do it, I guess. And I would just hope that in, you know, they translate it anyway to any of the other language they, you know, that they show the movie in. But when they speak Norwegian, they use subtitles. Oh, OK, so it has a mix of Norwegian and English because yes. of the English actor or because of the English scientist, American scientists. Interesting. Yes. Cool. Yes. And, I'm actually uh, interested in this for some reason. And the explanation for that in the thing with the at the beginning with the Norwegian guy who was shooting the dog and everything. Oh, yeah, because he was shouting at them in Norwegian. Or He does not speak English. Okay, so his character is... Okay. <laughs> his his character does not speak English, and that's why. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's funny you say that because I don't mean to detract, but the new mm-hmm. Predator movie that came out last year, Prey, mm, yeah. that takes place in the 1700s, and mm-hmm. they're all speaking English for the sake of the movie. 
However, yep. there's an alternate audio version where they're speaking the indigenous language. Nice. That would be interesting. The original idea was to shoot two versions of the movie, do one take in English and do another take in the language. Yeah, that'd be cool. But it proved too expensive. The studio wouldn't let them mm. do it. So instead they created, they made a dubbed version. Eh, I mean, that's good at least. Unfortunately, I thought that would have been pretty cool. The director really wanted to do it, but the studio yeah. ended up saying no to it. That's too bad. Um, I was looking at the pictures from the the newer the thing, the Norwegian thing, mm-hmm. and I noticed one of the guys is uh, it's Uncle Ben from um, from the newer Obi Wan show. Uh oh, Joel Egerton, yes. Yeah, so like, oh, it's Uncle yep. Ben. Yes, that was interesting. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, unfortunately, that movie's kind of it's not well received. I, yeah. I understand why. I don't think it's terrible. Biggest thing was is that uh, they wanted to do it all with practical effects, no CGI, just some. Uh, mm, that would have been some, nice. Just some polishing on it and stuff like that, like use characters that are in green suits and then remove them, but have mm. everything be practical. They shot it that way. Studio came back and said this looks terrible and mm. old and retro. Uh, and so they made them replace everything with CGI. That's too bad. It's really a heartbreaking because the guys who created the spe- all this practice, the special effects. Yeah. They didn't know it until they were sitting at the theater oh. at the red carpet. That sucks. They weren't told. <laughs> yeah. It was by the same guys who have done all the alien movies. Tom Woodruff Jr. Oh. Um, they started with aliens and then they made all the aliens and, the hero alien in all those movies is Tom Woodruff Jr. Who their mm. effects crew, they made this and they were super proud of it. And mm-hmm. only for the studio to say, these look bad. You need to replace this all with CGI. Yeah. I mean, if studios weren't paying for the movie, I'd be so mad. <laughs> yeah. Still, it's, you know, like it's frustrating. They went and shot their own for movie with all practical effects. And yeah, uh. Not greatly received, but uh, yeah, the effects were praised. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Really unfortunate when that kind of shit happens. It is. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's kind of my uh, criticism with something like Stranger Things, which is trying to capture the '80s, but it's just covered with CGI all over the place, and I, I just phased out completely when I started seeing that shit because it's like you're trying to capture the '80s, but no doing the work <laughs> do make practical effects then yeah that's that's interesting i need to do a better i need to actually try to watch stranger things it just, it's just not great yeah like you might like it i i don't like it i, I really just don't. i need to get past the first scene because like i just was so bored watching that first scene i was just like if the first scene is boring like the rest of it can't be great well, it's like I've even said in our group chats that the the inaccuracies annoy me more than anything. Yeah, but. well, because there's a, a character who has the thing poster, and it's just like no. And the movie the tanked. Poster. Yeah, nobody it would tanked. Have it wouldn't be there. It just wouldn't exist, whether or not the kid liked the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so obnoxious. Or seeing that kind of stuff, or posters of horror movies, where it's like you wouldn't have had that, or just stuff that's like a character dressed up as a character from the Goonies and the Goonies wasn't out yet. Oh yeah. Or the kids going trick or treating wearing pretty good ghostbuster costumes when they didn't have a VHS of that. Oh yeah. I've heard, I actually heard a story of somebody who went to the movie theater like a handful of times and like sketched out what it looked like and actually made like at the time when ghostbusters first came out um, and did that. But because, like, yeah, they didn't have the VHS or, like, a way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, other than magazines or something. But, yeah, it's, like, three kids, four kids and stuff. And it's yeah. just, like, I don't believe this for five seconds. Yeah, I get that. I'm uh, I'm picky about that kind of stuff. But it's yeah, just, sure. it, it pulls me out. Sure, but, sure, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the thing poster in Stranger Things is the most annoying thing I ever see. Because, yeah, this is a movie that, at the time, was hated hated john carpenter was called um a pornographer of gore it is pretty gory but it like, is so i don't know but i guess it's because i think i know it's fake and stuff but i am kind of surprised that it's like i'm watching it and i'm going uh, dexter doesn't really like gore oh my <laughs> god there's so much blood everywhere i mean well, i know it's fake and so i didn't mind i didn't mind that at all i mean like i grew up on stuff like that um i just don't like 
human violence bothers me. Alien stuff does not. Yeah, I don't know. And it's funny, too, because, like, human violence doesn't actually bother me too much. And, like, I I'm, oh. I don't mind hyper-violence. Like, uh, one of my favorite movies is District 9. Um, granted, that's a lot of CGI violence, I guess. But it's pretty bad um, as far as violence is concerned. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like I like zombie stuff. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind zombie gore. I don't mind that kind of stuff. Watching yeah. people get ripped apart and eaten. Oh, I hate it. Hate no, it I, I can't. I can't stand that stuff. Zombie hate. is on the um is on the brink of stuff that I can't stand. I don't mind like I guess if they're still the zombies, but it's just like when they start eating people or yeah. Um, See people get ripped apart. There's a scene but, in George Romero's Land of the Dead where a guy's yeah. arm gets split down the middle, and oh oh yeah, oh, it bothers me. Stuff, it bothers stuff that me. I. I can't stand like sword fights, uh, like when it shows like swords coming, going in and out of the, you know, as they're fighting, I guess, or yeah. like the, the thing that bothered me the most about the thing, uh, was when they were doing the blood test and they cut their thumbs. They I talk hated about that. that out of everything I, in the movie. That's the one they got the most <sighs> criticism for by people, by audiences. We did not need to see that. <laughs> they couldn't handle the, 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 they couldn't handle the drawing the blood and they Fuck. couldn't handle the morphing right needles. Now the yeah I, but the the cutting like I, I you don't need to show that in yeah they showed two of them yeah oh it was such a deep cut on the pad of their thumbs it was horrible. long one too i remember oh went, oh did it have to be that that big did i say that yeah yeah um but and like uh i always have flashbacks to watching uh the count of monte cristo that sword fight at the end uh the one with um man who is in that it's a uh, guy pierce i think Unfortunately, um, I've never seen it. It's good. I mean, as far as the Count of Monte Cristo, just watch V for Vendetta. It's better. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, there's like a really intense sword fight at the end, which makes sense because that's the time period it is, and that's how they would have fought. But man, there's just like they are both just like there's no way that either of them would survive that fight. <laughs> like they would have bl- both bled out like before they were done. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Um, but no, I, I, I don't know. I like, um, I actually like pretty violent things. It seems like I just, um, I, it's just swords and cutting things. Uh, I don't know. That being said, um, I'm trying to think. So the main differences between the movie and the book. Yeah. The beginning. So the beginning of the book starts off where they find the alien yes, and bring it just back right. Them out. staring at the damn thing uh-huh. on the, on yeah, the uh, mess start- room table. It starts with them with it on the table, yeah, and the cook is like mad about it being on their on the on his table, um, and then this one starts, yeah, with the dog coming from the other camp, and then they also bring back a body from the other camp when they go visit it. So whereas in the book they never leave their own camp, and this one they leave camp twice. Uh, twice they go to the Norwegian camp and then they go to the crash site, and yeah, in this in the book, uh, they. Have all the there's no Norwegian camp and they've already done it all. They found yeah they talk they about were it. they were studying magnetism close to the southern pole and yep. they were picking up something so they went and looked and they found the ship and then ten well, then paces they, away from the ship they find uh the body they find yeah. the they find the uh the, whatever it was in well, and then the they snow. And then they wanted to blow open the door to the ship and they accidentally blew up the entire ship. Whereas in this yep. one, the ship is preserved. It's fairly preserved. It looks like it's got some damage to it. And the hatch yeah, well, is it crash open, landing. But... It shows the crash landing in the movie. Actually. That's the yeah, they show movie. it opens with I that. Boy, that, that. Yeah. what wonderful looking. Yeah. It's kind of like the Predator opening with the ship flying by Earth and dropping a pod. It's like, you could, yeah, I, get, I get what you're doing there. But boy, you leave that out and then you make you people wonder what the hell's going on. Yeah. But it, it is what it is, I guess. I, I thought I actually kind of liked getting to see the ship and stuff. It wasn't what I expected, but it, it was cool for sure. Um, and then the ending is completely different, which I don't know. Very different. Yeah. It's very expected. Uh, you were very, quite a bit critical of the ending of the book, thinking it felt a little too positive, with the, especially with the final uh, just dialogue. The monologue. Yeah, the, just the big monologue of, hey, we saved the world. We're great. And everything's and, gonna be okay. And this uh, one ends is, with them freezing, go, <laughs> freezing and going straight to hell. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it, it ends with McCready and uh, Ch- and Childs. Uh, Essentially, everybody dies. Everyone else is dead. Uh, and then they kind of run into each other, and like you know, both of them are just like, "Are you the thing?" Uh, which is just like, if you really stop to think about it, no, because if it was only two of them and one of them was the thing, he would just 
kill the other one, uh, whoever the thing was. Um, but they both just basically agree to just sit there in the freezing cold and wait to die because there's nothing else to do. There's nothing to do. Like, yeah, by the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie, uh, everyone has kind of accepted their fate that mm-hmm. nobody is going to live. Well, and in order to kill the thing, they blow up the entire place. Yes. Uh, whereas in the book, they did not. And in, in, in the book, I guess, like in theory, they could go back and just live out, you know, the next month or two at the base and just wait for help to come get them. Whereas in this one, they never even mentioned because in the book, they even said, like, hey, if we don't radio back, they're going to send help. Like, we need to act like we're doing our job. Uh, I know uh, Windows does say that he hasn't been able to reach anywhere for two yeah. weeks. And so that's the problem, I guess. And the, the, yeah, that's one of the problems they're having in the movies. Like, even if they wanted to radio for help, they couldn't. And that's uh, what they, they were trying to do. And they, I think they said that uh, 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 drop of resources is six months away. Okay. Um, did they ever explain why the radio is down? Possibly just because of weather. Okay. Just, yeah, okay. I, I, he I guess just says first, he hasn't been able to reach anyone in two weeks. So yeah, I guess it's very I guess, possible that they're just very isolated out there. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I mean, they're well stocked up and everything. It may just be one of those things where uh, you're stationed out there and rotation isn't, rotation only happens every six, six to 12 maybe. months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess I, that makes sense. For sure. Um, I just thought it was it was kind of like a weird thing, but it was also necessary, I guess, just just to suggest like they can't get help. Like they're very isolated. Mm -hmm. It was just to establish that for sure. Um, But yeah, no, I I, like you said, like I I really like the movie. Um, I don't think it had any bad part. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought I. Part of it, too, like the differences between this and the book, I appreciate stuff like that. Like, I, I don't want to watch exactly the book anyway. Um, no, no, I appreciate not it. unless like uh, something like this. No, I mean, I've seen some book adaptations. Some are super faithful. This one, I would say mm-hmm. super faithful to an extent. Oh, for but, sure. But uh, yeah. then there's some I, that are just dreadful. Well, the problem with being faithful to for certain things is like it's it was meant to be a book. Like it it works well as a book, the way it was written. Whereas the thing, the movie works well as a movie, the way it was written as a movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah. And I, I just, I don't know. I just felt like that was worth being said that like the things that they did change made sense and it made it a good movie. Yeah. And, um, as I said, I think this movie still holds up. It's Mm -hmm. fairly isolated in a sense that, uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, Antarctica. So it's still kind of, uh, fairly like not even frozen in time it's not much to modernize with this yeah i mean they had VHS still not getting cell phone reception you may have satellite technology but that's about <laughs> it i don't know the the computer uh oh the comp- boy that's anytime that's they showed a computer was pretty funny <laughs> that's a little rough yeah and john carpenter admits that it still doesn't make sense what they showed but he didn't care yeah, which I, the whole time it showed uh, like the I don't even know what that would be like uh, the it animation a simulation of like simulation, cells, but you. it wasn't showing it duplicating. It was showing it eating the cells. Yeah. And like, John Carpenter admits he's like, so this is a graphic that we made. We didn't exactly get it right, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it moves the plot forward. Yeah, um, and that's about it. it. It's just exposition. That was the biggest I, problem with it is they just need some exposition to explain that this thing can take over happening. the world. I just thought it was funny, too, because it was just, like I was thinking of it, especially like as a designer, it's just like somebody had to make this. They did. Yeah. And I know Kurt Russell <laughs>, laughs at it in the commentary and says it looks like Pong. Yeah, kind of. Um, but like also part of me, too, is just like it was technology at the time this advanced. Like, could they have even made a simulation like that? No, no. <laughs> right. And so it's just like this is just weird. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, it, it, it uh it, it was just moving the plot forward. It, it explained how the alien worked, and that was fine. I just thought it was funny. But yeah, it looked like Pong. That's funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about it? If you listen to us about this whole thing, you haven't seen God. This even the thing. God love you. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, again, like the, this and Jaws. We, we covered Jaws. Yeah. Um, like those are movies that like I just I we never didn't grew- cover it. We just talked about it, which okay. was mine. Sure, but um, 
but just both of these movies, like I didn't grow up with any desire to ever see them. Like I just, um, I don't know. Like I, I grew up watching like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, um, before, like when I was six, I saw all of them and like, I've seen violent movies. I like violent movies, but like, I just, uh, when it comes to like, I, I stick to action and thriller, I suppose. Um, well, like more action than anything else. And so like, I just make, yeah, I don't even make comedies anymore. Do they? No, not really. But um, but like I just I never thought to watch these. It's like it's like oh they're just horror movies. But man, these are good movies. So like yeah, I and I don't know. Like I I feel bad for myself for having never taken the time to watch them before. Uh, no, it's fine. Them. I mean, I didn't see this until twenty five years after it came out, and uh, uh, we were were we came born? out before I was born. I was gonna say we weren't even born. Yeah, I so. wasn't born yet, but I saw this just because someone told me to, and I didn't care that they were telling me to see it. And then mm-hmm. I just walked by and found it and just thought yeah. about it. And I said, let's check it out. And this is a movie I'd seen before. I'd never seen a clip of it. So I was blown away watching this for the first time. Just like, what yeah. is going on? Seeing Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley's a great Blair. Yeah, he's a uh, he was a, he's a good actor. I only have ever seen Wilford Brimley in Walker, Texas Ranger. Walker, Texas uh, Ranger, the oatmeal commercials, and then tell well, us about diabetes. Uh, the oatmeal commercials. Yeah, yeah he, he was. Oatmeal commercials. He was the yeah. oatmeal guy forever. Back in oh. the nineties. Oh, Wilford Brimley. Um, it was nice to see. Uh, oh man, can't think of his name again. Keith um, David. The guy who played Childs. Keith David. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith David. Like just seeing him as a young actor in something, it kind of makes me want to see. Um, they live just because I know he's in that too. He's good and they uh, and, live. Keith David's a good actor all around. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I've only ever seen him really. The only thing I can think of is Chronicles of Riddick. Um, and he's fine in that. But, like, he just he has a presence kind of thing. Like, he has a really good voice. Um, Because, yeah, when, I remember when he was on the scene and I was just like, I don't recognize any of these actors. And you're just like, oh, yeah, you do. And then as soon oh, as yeah. as soon as Keith David started talking, I was like, oh, I know who that guy is. I um, forgot he was in Barbershop. He's in, yeah, he looks like he should be in Barbershop. He, like, he needs to be in more things in general. Like, well, I, I think he's in plenty, I'm sure, but. Yeah, oh, he's not that old. He's 66. Oh, man. Oh, he's in. Boy, he was 25, 24 when he made that movie. He did not look yeah. like he was in his 20s in that movie. He looked like he was in his 30s. Yeah, he did look a lot older than that. That's interesting. Yeah, he kind of just a big-ish guy. So, yeah, he was 24, 25 when he made that movie. Hmm. Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, it's it funny how young all those guys were, but it was the 80s. Oh, gosh, yeah. Kurt Russell was um, Kurt Russell was 30. Oh, really? Wow. Kurt He's actually 30. a lot older than I expected. I thought he was younger than that. Yeah, he was 30 hmm. when he did it. Uh, oh, boy. Well, Wilford Brimley. Oh, boy. Wilford Brimley was 47. Man, how old was that guy? Because He's dead now. He died right? at 85. Hmm. He looked older. <laughs> I mean, shoot, dude. Look at John Carpenter. John Carpenter's 74, and John Carpenter looks like he's 95 years old. Oh, really? I guess I haven't seen an updated photo of him. Oh, just I do thought... a Google search of John Carpenter, man. You'll be like, Jesus. Yeah, I feel like every time... Oh, I don't know. He looks... Oh, wow. Yeah. Nope. Found it. <laughs> he does look pretty old. John Carpenter uh, has not aged in probably 20 years, though. Like, he's looked the same since the 2000s. Yeah. Well, he just has, like, the long... Oh, I mean, he ha- he's balding and then has just long white hair. Um, that, is, yeah. that is that is hardcore chain smoking, sir. Probably. Oh, uh, man, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. He has not... He, he has looked 70 since the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he does conventions. He does comic book conventions now, and he seems like a nice yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a wonderful guy to listen to. Yeah, he he does comic book conventions. He ta- goes to horror conventions. He makes a lot of music. Uh, he hmm. was a producer for the last couple Halloween movies, and he did the music for him. He did the scores. Oh, very interesting. Composer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's cool. Um. Yeah, uh, like I said, I recommend this. I love this movie a lot. Um, it's fantastic. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. And yeah, hated when it came out. Just became loved later on. Obvious, like 
uh, they say one of the issues was it came out two weeks after E.T. Oh, it did? Hmm. Didn't want to see people got done seeing a happy, happy, uh, <laughs> happy alien, alien movie. movie and didn't want to see a terrible dour movie that uh, has such a bleak ending. And is E.T. happy? What does E.T. is E.T. does it end happy? Yeah, they leave. I mean, he he goes, he, he goes home. right here and he points at his chest and then he flies off, goes fucking um, runs into the sun or an asteroid or something. Never yeah. seen again. I've actually oh, no, that's not true. Movie. He shows up in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yeah, it's it's canon. <laughs> Which I think is just like one of the dumbest crossovers we didn't need. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, yeah. A group of ETs in the Galactic Senate. I, mean, I haven't seen E.T. in a long time. It's on my list to rewatch. We should probably rewatch it because I've never seen it. I remember never seen E.T.? Uh, I remember as a kid it was put in. I know we borrowed it from my cousin and I don't think we ever watched it. Terrifying as shit. Yeah. Oh, God. When you're fucking like four years old. Yeah, it's yeah. scary as shit. I'm guessing that's probably why we didn't watch it. My mom thought I'd be scared or something of it. I don't know. But like, oh, I just I didn't give a shit. I was scared of fucking tim burton's batman movie and they made me sit down and oh watch i that. love tim burton's batman movie i saw that in theater or when they sat me down and i had to watch poltergeist oh uh, yeah i'm never gonna watch that uh, poltergeist isn't bad i actually really like poltergeist now as a grown adult i think it's an awesome movie interesting it's not uh, scary i mean it is but it's not scary it's i mean the movie's pg so oh okay i'm still probably not gonna see it what am i looking at I'm just clicking on things on IMDb. <laughs> uh, I, w- I went to E.T. and then I clicked on Henry Thomas. I was like, oh, because that's the kid, I think, from E.T. And I was just like, what else is he in? Uh, he's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, he's in the Shining sequel. Oh, interesting. He's in. Yeah. He plays Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining. In uh, Dr. Sleep. Okay. There's something to watch, Dexter. Dr. The Shining Sleep. and the sequel starring Ian McGregor, Dr. Sleep. I wouldn't mind seeing The Shining. I've actually I've seen the beginning of it and I think the ending of it. I've never seen like the middle because like when um in uh, uh Ready Player One when they would when they went into The Shining like oh, fuck yeah they recreated that perfectly. I I just like I don't remember I I thought I'd seen The Shining was like I don't think I've seen The Shining because I didn't know that there was like a late like a weird zombie lady or whatever was going on there. Oh uh, the hag yeah yeah I didn't. I I never would have thought that that was the scene in the movie. So like I was like, oh, I guess I need to see this movie. Yeah. And then uh, Dr. Sleep takes place uh, 40 years later, starring Ian McGregor as the little boy all grown up. Yeah. Well, it says he's great the movie. Great oh. movie. So he so, OK, the guy from E.T. is playing. It says he's the bartender. So is that to suggest that um, uh, the main character from the first movie, like sticks behind and becomes the bartender i can't tell you that i'm not telling you that you're ruining everything for yourself if you ever see him i probably will uh no i'm great movie though awesome movie with ian mcgregor and uh yeah i can't remember uh the villain is in it is the mother in dune uh in which one the new dune uh sorry in uh dr sleep yes hmm yeah, she plays Rose the Hat. Oh, yeah, Rebecca Ferguson. I, yes. They did such a bad job with her being the mom in the new Dune. I'm hoping they do more with uh, – they have to do more with her in the sequel. But I don't know. They, The new Dune, man, I don't know. That's something to talk about. But <laughs> it's uh, – I thought she – well, I thought she's great in Doctor Sleep. She's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, well, and I, that's why she's Lady Jessica in Dune. Like she's it's a it's a she's supposed to be a beautiful character, and, yeah, and she's like and she, she fit that like role fine. She looks like she's the age of her son because wasn't doesn't the crap in that movie it makes you not age or age super slow. Uh, the spice. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. It makes you hallucinate and see the future. But... The future. Um, cause like the whole point of it, like part of that is like, uh, they don't trust computers. And so the people who fly spaceships are basically just high on spice because they're, yeah. they're, they're projecting into the future to make sure that they get to where they're going. <laughs> that's how they, that's how they navigate, which is just such a funny way to think about it. Um, but anyway, we're off topic. Uh, and we're at an hour. So, um, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's just uh, obviously we've said go see the thing. I feel like we only ever review review movies that we tell people to go see anyway. So true. Um, <laughs> That's okay. We got Ant Man the Quantumania in, in February. I am actually looking for. I uh, I watched the yeah, the latest trailer of that, and I was like, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this. I don't believe that that's Modok. Everyone else seems to think it is. I don't think that's 100 percent Modok. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's Modoc, dude. He's there's it was such a quick flash of a scene. I was just like, that could be anything. That's Modoc, dude. He's got the tiny little arms. He's a floating head. That's Modoc. Yeah, it looked like he was transforming and stuff. I don't know. Well, no, he just had guns under his under his oh. little floaty chair. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised if it's Modoc. I'm just also not gonna be surprised if it turns out to be something completely different. But it no, I'm terrifying and intimidating, which means he's gonna be a joke. Yeah, which because it's Modoc. I mean, he's a joke of a character, but he's also like he needs to take himself seriously at least and actually be like dangerous because he is. Well, it's also the it's also Yellow Jacket from the first Wasp, and that was a goofball character. So oh, that's who's playing him. Yep, same character. He got mutated and turned into Modoc. Huh. Okay. That's fine, I suppose. He's a goofy guy though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Modoc's also yep. a goofy character. Yes. Um, Giant fuck off head with tiny arms and feet. Well, he's a robot, isn't he? Or is he a cyborg? Well, Modoc stands for something. It's like a machine. He's an acid trip from the 70s. Well, yeah, 100%. But yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to talk about. Like once we start getting back into these Marvel films. Um, But yeah, anyway, go see the thing. Uh, and when you do, go over to our website and buy a mug. Buy a mug. <laughs> Maybe a notebook. Or yeah. Have your or buy a sticker and put the sticker on your notebook. Yeah, cover up the the logo on the notebook with the logo from the sticker. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, logo Inception. Um, but yeah, as always, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.